Hello, friends, and welcome to Brainworms, the podcast where all of your weird, intrusive thoughts come to life. I'm Joe. I'm David. I'm Kane. And I'm Chris. And um, a while back, we read Dan Brown's first novel, Digital Fortress, and honestly kind of had a bad time. I did get closer to finding a sex, though. You, you did. did. A little did. bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a weird kind of meandering novel that didn't want to get to the point. It didn't treat its female characters terribly well. Joe, that female character was fully empowered. She was really, really beautiful uh-huh. and smart. And smart, yeah. I mean, mo- most of her motivations were directly related to the male protagonist, but she was pretty and smart at the same time. When you're both pretty and smart, who gives a shit about the Bechtel test? <laughs> And I, I think she was the only female character in the like two or three chapters that we read. So no Bechtel tests were passed. And we had a conversation during that episode like, well, we should read Dan Brown's most recent book and see if he has improved. Because you shouldn't judge an author just by their first novel. Unless you want to. Unless you want to. You can dance if you want to. You know, let, let's see how he improved in the intervening 20 years or whatever the fuck. So we're going to do that. And I mean, he's sold a lot of copies. He's sold of so things, many books. So it, something has to be there. I mean, the lowest common denominator is, yeah. is, a, is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have time for a real quick Chris story? Potentially. And if we don't have time for it, I can always edit it out. So go ahead. So this is vaguely related because I was thinking about the digital fortress and the lady and like the guard person like making eyes at her. And it reminded me of my Aunt May, rest in peace. When she was younger and for most of her life, she worked at the one and only Coca-Cola factory that was in the very small town that I grew up in. And once she told me a story that... uh, Uh, She was one of the only female employees there, and a lot of the male employees would make catty comments, which she actually enjoyed the attention. And she said that they were very respectful of, like, if she ever said, like, all right, that's enough, they would back down. And, like, it it was like a playful thing, which I I thought that was a really weird dynamic, and I've never, like, heard of that before. Like, simultaneously being disrespectful, but also respectful was... Very weird little tidbit. You can kind of get away with some stuff. If you take time to make sure that, like, the person is in on the joke, then, then the, like, you know, Cain verbally abuses all of his friends constantly and more or less gets away with it. You know, the, there, there's <laughs> something to be said for just making sure that you're respecting someone's boundaries, but you can still kind of, you know, get away with some remarks. Yeah, I mean... I think context is super important. Sure. Like you can certainly say a lot of things to your friends that you cannot say to strangers. Exactly. Absolutely. I saw a post recently on social media where I don't remember the guy's name. He was a country music singer that recently got in trouble for using the N-word outside of his home. And rightly so. You know, <laughs> I think if you're in any kind of public forum and you're shouting obscenities particularly racially charged obscenities you should probably get punished for that in some way you know even if it's just in the court of public opinion right but someone had posted something about how it was unfair that he got in trouble 
and kicked off of radio for using a word that was all over the radio earlier That's that not, year. Uh, have I talked about how much I hate humanity? Go ahead, David. I'm sorry. My apologies. Yeah, like that's that's not a good comparison. <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean I I'm right there with you guys. I think the poster and the the initial author of the post both missed the point that there are in-group things that you can say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If someone, you know, if Kane comes up to me and calls me a son of a bitch, mm -hmm. I'm probably going to take it with a laugh and a smile. Right. If any of you guys were to do that, you know, there's horrifying things you could say to me. And do. You're right. But you don't do that shit to strangers. Yeah. Also, saying something on the radio is far different, as you said, from saying it in your home or amongst friends or mm. like right like like i say weird stuff all the time but i like i do censor certain things sure you know like kane's been live streaming twitch.tv forward slash count cannula and i'm <laughs> constantly <laughs> commanding him to take his shirt off in his stream <laughs> if i did that to just any random twitch streamer it would be wildly inappropriate right True. that would be so far over the line but because Kane is my friend and he gets the joke, then it's like, it's fine. And it's not even always just a humor related thing. Like, yeah, well, language is an interesting thing. Their, their language varies. There's in-group language and there's out-group language. And if you're part of the in-group, you can use that language. It's, yeah. it's all fucking yeah. code, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. If you're part of the Thieves Guild, you get Thief Speak or whatever that Can't. is. <laughs> it's true. Also, Chris... Are you actually Spider-Man? Pardon? Oh, because I, I get it. I don't get it. I need someone to explain that one to me. Don't explain it. It's better this way. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, come on, don't leave me in the dark. You menace. <laughs> I'm afraid of the dark. Give me pictures of Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, has anyone ever seen one? <laughs> I'm just a collective. <laughs> Into the Chris-verse. <laughs> I'm a collective hallucination that, like... You guys just hallucinate that I I say like all the same things, <laughs> so it works. So we read books on this podcast, right? Yeah, we do read books, and we should. We're gonna read Dan Brown's most recent novel, Origin, and see if he improved from his very first novel, Digital Fortress. You know, if I was an author, I would totally name the last book I ever wrote Origin. I would probably just name it Primus. Nice, Optimus Prime. I mean, I, I was a child in the 90s. <laughs> uh, so interestingly, apparently this book is uh, another Robert Langdon. So yeah, yeah. This is the most recent book in a series that I've read very little of. Yeah. The first one, basically. Was Da Vinci Code the first Langdon book or was Angels and Demons? Uh, I think. Maybe, no, I think maybe Angels and Demons did come out first. So. Real quick, I just want to get this out of the way as kind of a disclaimer. Yeah. Since we haven't read any of you know, the previous books in the series, mm -hmm. there may be things that we'll make fun of that we don't understand. Sure. Which might aggravate fans. So just as a quick shout out to the fans, if that's something that you get frustrated about, I, I just want to say read better books. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> Chris getting, Chris getting, getting sassy. I tried to say snassy. That's not a word. That's, I think you meant snippy yeah. and sassy. Snip, snip, snap. What is language? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got in-groups and out-groups, and it's kind of a code. I, I don't know. Rewind like 10 minutes. We'll go over mm. it. 
Uh, so yeah, we're going to read that. But before we do, don't forget, we have a website, we give you brainworms.com, where you can find all of our social medias. You can find our Patreon, where you can give us your money. And if you give us money, we will send you some brainworms to be hosted. Uh, the only instructions are insert them into the orifice of your choice and yeah. let the magic happen. The ocular cavity works best for the worm insertion, I found. Huh. I've always been one for the ear, but uh, mm. I thought that was the whole point of doing this as a podcast and not a, you know, YouTube show. That's true. Yeah, is I that... guess if, if we were going in through the eyeballs, there would have to be some sort of visual. What is this metaphor that I've created for our podcast and how does it work? <sighs> you can find out at wegiveyourbrainworms.com. <laughs> God fucking damn it. All right. Yeah, let's uh, read Dan Brown before I embarrass myself more. <laughs> Dan Brown, Origin. We must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. Joseph Campbell, Fact. All art, architecture, locations, science, and religious organizations in this novel are real. For real? Um, X for doubt. Yeah, see what happens. Prologue. As the ancient cogwheel train clawed its way up the dizzying incline, Edmund Kirsch surveyed the jagged mountaintop above him. In the distance, built into the face of a sheer cliff, the massive stone monastery seemed to hang in space as if magically fused to the vertical precipice. Yeah. This timeless sanctuary in Catalonia, Spain, had endured the relentless pull of gravity for more than four centuries, never slipping from its original purpose to insulate its occupants from the modern world. <laughs> yeah, this is not a strong start. Ironically, they will now be the first to learn the truth, Kirsch thought, wondering how they would react. Historically, what? That's not ironic. the most dangerous Don't men on earth were men of God, especially when their gods became threatened. And I am about to hurl a flaming spear into a hornet's nest. If Yoda isn't in that temple to train Langdon the ways of the Force, I'm going to be severely disappointed. Yeah, me too. When the train reached the mountaintop, Kirsch saw a solitary figure waiting for him at the platform. I hope is it Yoda? The wizened skeleton of a man was draped in the traditional Catholic purple cassock and white rochette, with a zucchetto on his head. That's a zucchetto, not a zucchini. Not a Geppetto? <laughs> Not a Geppetto. Not a cannoli. Um, you can no longer convince me that this guy is not wearing a zucchini on his head. I need that to be real. So it's going to be. His head is a zucchini. Yeah. No. no it's, it's like veggie tails. On his head. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like veggie tails. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I remember veggie tails. Where is my hairbrush? Oh, where? Kirsch recognized his host's raw, bo raw bone. Kirsch <laughs> raw bone. Raw bone. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when you have sex with a bong? You just raw bong in it? <laughs> I just raw bonged it all night dangerous. long. <laughs> raw bong all night long. Yeah, have you, have you guys heard, like, if you want to get ripped, drink your bong water? No, if you want to get really high, you gotta, you gotta fuck that bong. If you carefully slide a rubber glove into the tube and then just lubricate that. <laughs> I'm afraid. Fuck you, Dan Brown. Fuck you right in the fucking mouth. Kirsch recognized his host's raw-boned features from photos and felt an unexpected surge of adrenaline. Did he have an OnlyFans? Is he about to <laughs> Is he going to fight this old man? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Fight. It's actually Skeletor. Oh, shit. That's <laughs> oh, actually God. Shang Tsung. Nice. <laughs>
Valdespino is greeting me personally. Bishop Antonio Valdespino was a formidable figure in Spain. Hey, it's me, Valdespino. <laughs> That's Italian. He's Spanish. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you dumb asshole. I'm only sort of paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Not only a trusted friend and counselor to the king himself, but one of the country's most vocal and influential advocates for the preservation of conservative Catholic values and traditional political standards. Oh, good. Yeah. Skeletor. This coming from one of the governments that completely eradicated uh, an indigenous people. I'm just not stoked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Edmund Kirsch, I assume. The bishop intoned as Kirsch exited the train. Kirsch. He has charged, Kirsch said. Edmund Kirsch. Smiling as he reached out to shake his host's bony hand. Bishop Valdespino, I want to thank you for arranging this meeting. I appreciate your requesting it. It's better to shake his bony hand or bone his shaky hand. Or to bong his <laughs> shaky bong. I'm just picturing the end of this book where the villain is defeated and he says, Curse you, curse! Oh, wait, wait, can we can we take that again? I, I said it the wrong way around. Marge, say stay away from me and my family forever. Again. No. <laughs> it's a deep cut. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, fucking sideshow Bob up in the house. <laughs> I'm real glad that one landed. It was a teetery <laughs> land, but uh... it's going to go real well for our 15 to 21 year old audience base. <laughs> That's a lie. No, oh, wait, wait. We need to take a minute and talk about Empress Teresa. <laughs> hey, guys, Empress Teresa with some Empress Teresa. Mm -hmm. And some Empress Teresa. There you go. Should I just start hashtagging Empress Teresa in all of our episode <laughs> descriptions? No, all our episodes should just be named Empress Teresa from now on. <sighs> I hate that those are our most popular episodes. Let's just change it from the Brainworms podcast. Let's just change it to the Empress Teresa podcast. And then we've got it covered. I mean, if we just read chapter by chapter the entirety of Empress <laughs> Teresa, I don't think that guy would sue us. <laughs> And we'd probably be working for like the next three years. It's true. <laughs> I don't want to Empress Teresa full time. <laughs> no. No one wants that. Empress Teresa part 93. <laughs> the Teresaning. I think at that point it would just be you, Joe. It would just be you just reading. Be me reading and commenting on what I was reading. <laughs> yeah. To just record it and then... And then just riff over my own recording. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but occasionally Joe would stop and be like, what do you think about that, Chris? And then like you'd hear nothing. And then he would be like, ha that's so funny, Chris. <laughs> <sighs> I appreciate your requesting it. The bishop's voice was stronger than Kirsch expected clear and penetrating like a bell. It is not often we are consulted by men of science, especially one of your prominence. This way, please. As Valdespino guided Kirsch across the platform, the cold mountain air whipped at the bishop's cassock. I must confess, Valdespino said, you look different than I imagined. I was expecting a scientist, but you're quite... I thought quite... you would be taller. <laughs> I thought you'd be a baller. Shot collar? Have a girly <laughs> who looked good, and I could call her. <laughs> oh we are dumb bastards we're so dumb who gave us these microphones <laughs> well chris gave me mine i bought mine someone should have denied that sale i should have yeah when i went to press the order button i should have said no no, <laughs> oh, no. wait guys no. guys guys i've got the perfect cover so i bought david's mic with the stimulus package right so technically this is all trump's fault 
Trump did this to all all of our listeners. That's not untrue in a weird way. In a weird way. Yeah. You know, in a causal universe. <laughs> I must confess, Valdespino said, you look different than I imagined. I was expecting a scientist, but you're quite... He eyed his guest's sleek chitin K-50 suit and Barker ostrich shoes with a hint of disdain. Hip, I believe, is the word. Kirsch smiled politely. The word hip went out of style decades ago. Yeah, well, it's hip to be square. In reading your list of accomplishments, the bishop said, I am still not entirely sure what it is you do. I've consulted your Wikipedia page. <laughs> with our religious internet. And your wiki feet. I specialize in game theory and computer modeling, so you make the computer games that the children play. Kirsch sensed the bishop was feigning ignorance in an attempt to be quaint. More accurately, Kirsch knew, Valdespino was a frighteningly well-informed student of technology and often warned others of its dangers. No, sir. Actually, game theory is a field of mathematics that studies patterns in order to make predictions about the future. I don't think that's what game theory is it is yeah i thought game theory was the whole concept behind if you have two parties that like can act within with with self that's an element of game theory but that's oh okay the entirety of game theory yeah it's a field of mathematics that studies patterns in order to make predictions about the future it's actually a pretty good yeah say what you want about dan brown he does his research yeah Ah, yes. I believe I read that you predicted a European monetary crisis some years ago. When nobody listened, you saved the day by inventing a computer program that pulled the EU back from the dead. What was your famous quote? At 33 years old, I am the same age as Christ when he performed his resurrection. Kirsch cringed. A poor analogy, your grace. I was young. Young? The bishop chuckled. And how old are you now? Perhaps 40? Just. The old man smiled as the strong wind continued to billow his robe. Well, the meek were supposed to inherit the earth, but instead it has gone to the young. The technically inclined, those who stare into video screens rather than into their own souls. I must admit, I never imagined I would have reason to meet the young man leading the charge. They call you a prophet, you know. Not a very good one in your case, your grace, Kirsch replied. When I asked if I might meet you and your colleagues privately, I calculated only a 20% chance you would accept. And as I told my colleagues, the devout can always benefit from listening to non-believers. It is in hearing the voice of the devil that we can better appreciate the voice of God. Is anyone else hoping the wind blows his cassock up and he just does like a Marilyn Monroe on the mountainside? Uh, I fell asleep again. What happened? The old man smiled. I am joking, of course. Please forgive my aging sense of humor. My filters fail me from time to time. Do people talk like this in real life? Like this weird kind of verbal sparring that these guys are doing? In my experience, only when they're trying to fuck. Fair. Yeah, I've never done this verbally, but like through text communications, yes. When it's like you're, you're just being introduced to someone for the first time, someone makes a witty remark, the other person makes a witty remark, and then you get into this unannounced race to get ahead and it's like a little competition and it's fun yeah yeah i mean that that happens banter things like that but the dialogue is a little bit tin like Mm -hmm. it's not the worst i've ever read it's pretty still i mean we've read empress Teresa, right so like the bar is low wait did you say this dialogue was 10 yeah a little tin oh 10 
I, I thought you said like the numeric 10 and I was oh, confused. No, no. T-I-N. Like, you know, like a tin ear. It's, it yeah, just yeah. doesn't exactly ring true. But again, not the worst I've ever heard. It mostly stays out of the way. I think reading it aloud kind of highlights how sure much it doesn't sound like people actually talking. It is a good, like, how do I squeeze in an entire exposition dump in the first, like, page and a half. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah. We now know who Bishop Valdespino is and what he's all about. And we know who Kirsch is and what he's all about. And since this is the prologue of a Dan Brown book, these characters will never be seen again. Or they will fuck. Or they will fuck. Or they will come back into the book at the very end. And they'll just, like, we're meeting them here, but they're going to be the central figures of the mystery that has to be unwrapped. Mm -hmm. The actual main character is going to, like, hear about them. Yeah, I've got a yeah. mystery you can unwrap. Oh, yeah. It's a mystery burrito. Is it your penis? <laughs> it's my penis. Is it a burrito? No. I like the idea of a mystery burrito. 10% of the time, it's edible 100% of the time. Kirsch eyed their destination, a colossal citadel of gray stone perched on the edge of a sheer cliff that plunged thousands of feet down into a lush tapestry of wooded foothills. Unnerved by the height, Kirsch averted his eyes from the chasm and followed the bishop along the uneven cliffside path, turning his thoughts to the meeting ahead. Couldn't he have just not acknowledged the height and the audience could infer that he wasn't concerned about it? I mean, I think this does at least show that the character is afraid of heights mm -hmm. you know what i mean like this is yeah kirsch had requested an audience with three prominent religious leaders who had just finished attending a conference here the parliament of the world's religions since 1893 hundreds of spiritual leaders from nearly 30 world religions had gathered in a different location every few years to spend a week engaged in interfaith dialogue Participants included a wide array of influential Christian priests, Jewish rabbis, and Islamic mullahs from around the world, along with Hindu pujaris, Buddhist bhikkhus, Jains, Sikhs, and others. There was only occasional interfaith kissing. <laughs> Count me out. <laughs> the description of that meeting? Wow, I've never not wanted to be somewhere this much. <laughs> It does sound pretty boring. Although I am kind of curious if that's a real thing. It is. Huh. What is the coordinate opposite point on the planet to that location? I don't care if it's in the ocean. That's where I want to be. Yeah, like it does sound boring, but it is kind of interesting that that's a thing that happens. I think it's kind of cool. And I hope they record it. Well, no, because if they recorded it, then we would all learn that everything's run by reptilians from Middle Earth. <laughs> The reptilians don't come from Middle-earth, Chris. The Urukai come from Middle-earth. They come from the lost continent of Moo. <laughs> you, you, you were so sincere and, and so eager when you said yeah. that, it just got me. <laughs> the Parliament's self-proclaimed objective was to cultivate harmony among the world's religions, build bridges between diverse spiritualities, and celebrate the intersections of all faith. Yeah, how's that going? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, <laughs> yeah, let me just Google faith-based hate crimes in the last five years real quick. In the last five minutes, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> a noble quest, Kirsch thought, despite seeing it as an empty exercise. A meaningless search for random points of correspondence among a hodgepodge of ancient fictions, fables, and myth. As Bishop Valdespino guided him along the pathway... Kirsch peered down the mountainside with a sardonic thought. 
Moses climbed a mountain to accept the word of God, and I have climbed a mountain to do quite the opposite. I'm going to kill God. <laughs> I had to get to the top of the mountain so I could reach him. Do you think that when Moses was coming down with the Ten Commandments from the mountain, he was like, fucking Christ, did he have to carve this into stone? Like, fifteen. Ten. Ten commandments. <laughs> you know, he had oh. three tablets and dropped yeah, yeah. one. And, yeah. Pull that from. I think it's History of the World Part 1. Yeah. Kirsch's motivation for climbing this mountain, he had told himself, was one of ethical obligation. But he knew there was a good dose of hubris fueling this visit. He was eager to feel the gratification of sitting face to face with these clerics and foretelling their imminent demise. You've had your run at defining our truth. I looked at your curriculum vitae, the bishop said abruptly, glancing at Kirsch. I see you are a product of Harvard University. Undergraduate, yes. I see. Recently, I'm a I thundergraduate. Read... <laughs> I don't know, I'm just throwing nonsense words out there to make this more interesting. It's fair. Recently, I read that for the first time in Harvard's history, the incoming student body consists of more atheists and agnostics than those who identify as followers of any religion. Is it weird that I'm imagining our protagonist here is Ben Shapiro? The Kirsch? Yeah. Oh no. Because he, he kind of has that same kind of edgy energy about him. Like edgy intellectualism. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Oh man. Well, okay, that just changed this for me. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to do a Ben Shapiro voice, but I would like it if you did. <laughs> That's not likely to happen, I'm afraid. Oh. I mean, I guess I could just try and dry out my throat since Ben Shapiro has obviously never been near any source <laughs> of moisture in his life. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I'll just pitch you up real high in post and you'll basically get the <laughs> same end result. That is quite a telling statistic, Mr. Kirsch. What can I tell you? Kirsch wanted to reply. Our students keep getting smarter. Yeah, you know, because I've, I've never met a dumb atheist in my life. <laughs> yeah, for real. Go on Reddit for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I gotta admit that one thing that I think pretty much every atheist that I've ever met has in common is a certain amount of disdain that they hold for people who are not atheists. Oh, so you're saying that this is not the voice of the author saying that our students are getting smarter. That's like that's the portrayal of the character. Yeah. I see. Yeah, that was in italics. Those are his thoughts. I mean, I have disdain for people that believe in religions. Mm. Yeah. I'm kind of over that phase of my life. Like my stance is like as long as you're not hurting anyone or being a shit person, if you're doing something that makes you feel better, then like whatever, go off. I guess I should if your religion, if the tenets of your religion state that another person's existence is an abomination, I have nothing but contempt for you. Oh yeah, fuck all of that. But if you believe in a higher power without the excessive baggage of like certain people shouldn't have rights or be allowed to exist then whatever i don't care yeah well like i've i've met christians that arguably are terrible christians but they just ignore all of the more like reprehensible parts of the bible and they, they just believe in a guy in the sky and this jesus dude who loves everybody and that's the point that they focus on man if only they didn't validate the wackos and assholes that are part of their religion <laughs> yeah. like, i don't believe that you should you know stone a woman to death for having her period at church but i do believe in jesus and the guy that's next to me well 
he hates all gay people, but he believes in Jesus too. So we share a commonality and well, I love him as my brother. Yeah. No, fuck that. No, like that's, that's not the kind of person I'm describing at all. Like this is a person that actively looks at the people who are hateful towards, uh, you know, and pick, pick, pick one of any of the things that Christianity is hateful towards. And they're like, no, that this is more about loving everybody. I also think, I mean, it's, it's a good point to make that a lot of times people that are not religious, side note, when people in the West, people in my experience that I've met, most of the atheists that I've met, don't really have a problem with religions. They have a problem with Christians. I would argue that that's just the religion that they're most exposed to. That's probably true. But how many people have you met that go around saying, you know what? Fuck the Sikhs. Um, I've, well, where are the Sikhs from? India and... Well, I don't have very many friends that are from India. None, actually. <laughs> right. So I, I couldn't tell you. And I mean, right. yeah, Christianity is the largest religion on the planet, you know, most mm. populous, so arguably the most powerful. I thought it was Islam. I thought Islam trumped Christianity. That's the fastest growing religion. Oh, gotcha. I tend to have a firm hate about the Abrahamic religions. Mm. Yeah, that's because they're the ones you know the most of and you're most exposed to on a regular basis. And I find it interesting that Christians, quote, might get up in arms about the gays, quote, or, you know, any number of other things, you know, whatever thing it is that is immoral and terrible and the religious right wants us to have nothing to do with. You mm -hmm. know? And people will judge Christians based on whether or not, you know, oh, you're a Christian, so you fucking hate all gays, right? Without even stopping to blink and think about the fact that they're judging all Christians. Right. So, I mean, really, it's it ultimately comes down to just don't be a dick. Yeah, just don't be shitty. And yeah. then, um, the, go to any website where people can post on it freely. And, and you'll find shitty people. Yeah, like how many atheists are like, fucking feminists are ruining my video games. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like shitbags are going to shitbag regardless of what their, right. you know, their foundational beliefs are. Yeah, but it's a lot easier to take a swing at an atheist that's like, there shouldn't be black people in my you know, comic book movies getting lead roles. That pisses me off. Or That's a lot easier to take a swing at them. And nobody gets up in arms, mm -hmm. but there's an entire like culture of faux persecution that Christians find themselves entitled to. Mm -hmm. You don't see. I mean, that. gamers also, and, that. and that goes across. Like Christians are taught in their churches that they're going to be persecuted for their beliefs. Yeah, I right? mean that. Yeah, totally. I, if you I think to... about it, if you if you look at history. There's this whole myth about the Romans throwing Christians into coliseums with lions, right? Being fed to the lion. That's that literally is a myth that never happened. Yeah, they threw everybody into the Yeah. And remember when when Christianity was starting out and it was like a thing in Rome and they were like a very well, troublesome but I read about that it. kept breaking laws. <laughs> no. I don't remember that cuz I wasn't around how they came. Ultimately had to uh convert Rome to Christianity in order to save Rome because otherwise the Christians were going to burn mm -hmm. it to the goddamn ground. Yeah, I, I remember reading about that in multiple sources from various scholarly pursuits. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and then you start reading about the Council of Nicaea. 
Oh, do you guys remember that time that uh, Rome was so big that no one could conquer it, so they just stopped having a standing army? And then I think, I, be- I believe it was Genghis Khan was coming from the east, and Rome was like, well, fuck, what do we do? Hey, let's let's just pay those Gauls to come down and be our army. And then the, the Gauls came and fought off the invasion, and then Rome said... Yeah, on second thought, I know we're that's not, not what you're you. saying, but I keep hearing and gulls, that... and it's really affecting what I'm seeing in my head. <laughs> I thought it was the Visigoths. Well, now it's seabirds, so whatever. I'm very terrible with history and geography, so I can't. I just remember that the tribe that they got to do that were the Vandals. Because I thought the Visigoths sacked Rome. They went in, sacked Rome, got drunk, had a party, and then they're like, all right, now we're leaving. And then they left. Like this, it may be a separate incident. The vandals were the ones that weren't paid, and as revenge, they just went in and fucked up a bunch of shit. This conversation's really fun. We should try to get at least into the first chapter. (laughs) Shut up, Joe. (laughs) Who gives a shit about Dan Brown? All right, we're having a much better conversation now. (laughs) I'm honestly surprised, guys, that uh, you're shitting on this so much because. The, the whole premise, the whole setup here is that this guy is going to reveal something that is going to bring religion as a whole down. Yeah, and if it wasn't jerking itself off the whole time, it might be interesting to listen to. I, I'm in Kane's park here. Like, yeah, I agree with that. I'm just imagining him as an edgy internet atheist, and that's pretty fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> also, okay. you know, that might again, actually change it. Go ahead, page David. three. <laughs> I do, yeah, I, I, I do at least want to know. Gotta give the what book. He reveals <laughs> this is a multiple hundreds of pages. <laughs> David, David. Y- yes, yes, David, Joe. David, 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 Joe. David, Joe. David, I'm bored. Joe, that's not my problem. Yeah, stop complaining. You, you did this. No, I, I did, and I. I guess I take responsibility, although I don't like taking responsibility for my actions. That doesn't seem to be the American way. But regardless, I'm bored. Do we want to stop doing this for now? Uh, Only for now? (laughs) For now, forever. We'll see. Uh, Yeah. I I was looking in our lunar manual. It's required by Moonlaw to have a self-destruct sequence in the base. I've been looking for that in the manual. Okay. Well, good luck with that. I think it's a good idea that we probably... Put one of those in Kane. We have that. It's called the furnace. <laughs> Can we program like a genetic self-destruct function? Like how does? I don't know if it's genetic, but you can certainly do it culturally. Just look at America. <laughs> what we could do is we could genetically modify Kane to have his blood contain large amounts of like was it was it called white phosphorus? And I then, thought you were going to say lysine. That's probably a smarter... You know, Jurassic Park style. We'll just He'll have to get lysine treatments or he'll just fade away. No, 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 no. I'm talking about white phosphorus. And then when he gets angry enough, we'll take it like a Bic lighter. You, you want to take and... a guy who routinely throws himself into the furnace and put phosphorus in his blood. Yeah, I don't yes, know if that's going to yes, work out no. the way you think it is. No, no, no. See, he could become the furnace. Which will... Oh, and then we'll just activate the self-destruct every time we need to make a new one? No, no, like when he gets angry enough, the Bic lighter that we modify him with will ignite, and then he just... All right. This whole thing is dumb. This is very stupid. Yeah. I'm going to remind you to go to wegiveyoubrainworms.com. 
where you can support us on Patreon. We're members supported by listeners like you. Check out our funky fresh Discord. All the things. <sighs> all the things she said. All the things she said running through my head. And uh, yeah, fuck it. Let's let's stop this forever. <laughs> okay. We're we're very sorry. This has been a production of Brainworms Presents. Any copyrighted content contained within is used for purposes of review. Brainworms podcast is David Combs, Kane Magdalene, Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. The theme music is Hodgepod Number no. 1 by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, you can support us and learn about our other projects at wegiveyoubrainworms.com or by leaving a review on your favorite listening app. Give me pictures of Chris. I'm going to kill God.